Just to start things off tonight, uh, this is Caleb McCullough, and uh, Caleb has a unique story about, uh, as God has led him to be part of this trip, that I thought would be a great way to just get to know us a little bit, and also a little bit of what God has for us tonight as we open up his words. So uh, I'd love for you guys to hear Caleb's story here real quick. Thank you so much. I, this, I love being in Ireland already. It's so much fun. I have grown up in church my whole life, but I feel like the last three years, it's been three different phases, and it's all been like a song to, to describe it. Like a few years ago, it was the song Egypt, and the song that, re- like what it really sticks out is the, the bridge that says, you, you marched and you took my hand out of, you brought me out of this Egypt, and you brought me out of the trials. And then this past year, it was, uh, God, you're so good, where it says, I am blessed, I am called, I am healed, I am whole, I am saved in your name. I am, I am a child of God. And then I feel like the last song we just sang is so powerful. Your name is, your name is life, and your name is power. And I feel like the, what really led me to Ireland is I feel like there are people here who need a freedom in Christ. And I keep feeling that someone needs to hear the messages we're bringing this week and what we have. And so I want to thank you all for inviting us here this week. We're going to be in Psalm 78. Psalm 78. And uh, I, I do want to say, I say this every time I get a chance to preach at Sunday morning at my church. It is always an honor and a privilege to share God's word. And uh, thank you so much, Pastor Matt, for allowing me to have the pulpit tonight. Uh, it's um, it's a, an entrustment, and I, and I feel that, and I thank you for that, that you would allow me to share God's word with your congregation tonight. So thank you so much for allowing me to do that. Thank you. Today, many people uh, in today's world want to become famous. That's not just an American idea. This is a worldwide idea. That if I could just get a glimpse, if I can just get a moment on social media, if I can just go viral, that everyone would know my name. But so often to be famous is just to be known for a moment. It's just to be known for even a lifetime. But what God has called us to as a believer and as to a church is not to become famous or become known, it's to leave a legacy. Legacy, you see, is far greater than to be famous. You see, famous, like I said, only leaves for a moment. But legacy outweighs and begins to speak into generation after generation and after generation. My heart's desire is that I would not be famous, but rather that what my life is and who I invest into would speak into generations far beyond myself. And that's what God's word really speaks to time and time and time again. You see it all throughout history. If we are unwilling to learn from history, it will repeat itself. And there's a lot of history here in this nation as we've gotten to know and and across this island. We've gotten to learn about uh, St. Patrick coming and introducing the idea of faith and Christianity and Jesus to many people across this island. We We learned that that during the raids of, of this island that the monks hid God's word and held fast to it. And after the medieval ages that it was the Irish people who reintroduced a whole continent back to Jesus. Such a rich history right here on this island in this place and right here in this city. And it's easy to walk through the city and as we have and to see great cathedrals and yet we see great pain. We see questions we see doubts, and we see a generation that has a lot of questions and doubts 
As Reese and I both know, that's not just an American issue. That's not just an Irish issue. This is a worldwide issue. And yet God is raising up a remnant, a people, who not only know him and love him, but have a story to tell to a generation who is dying to understand, to a generation who has a lot of questions and doubts, who is confused. We are living in an age where we are leading a generation that is the most anxious, that has the most depression than any other generation we've ever seen before. They have all these questions, and we have the truth. And we are faced with an opportunity. Do I live for myself, or do I live so that way I can outlive myself with a legacy? And as I was reading scripture, I've been reading the Psalms lately, and Psalm 78 just leaped off the page, not just because I'm a youth pastor, but because I'm a father. It's because I I care for the next generation. I desire that God would, would outlive me or outlive my life and that something great would happen outside of me. And as I read these words, these words were written by a man named Asaph. Asaph was one of David's worship leaders. And he was talking about this whole chapter is about the history of Israel. And yet he leads with this amazing parable, this amazing story of our role as both a church and as followers of Jesus Christ, that we have been tasked to live a life of legacy, to live a life that invests and believes in and raises up a generation of faith so that the next generation can live it. So the next generation can live it. We are a part of a chain of generations. We stand on shoulders of great people who have paved the way so we not only walk in faith, but we have the opportunity to do greater things than they had done before us. And so he he describes all this to, to put us in position of the history that we are in and to step into the call that God has given us. And if we are unwilling to, the whole chapter speaks to the history of Israel of how often they're unwilling to do what God had asked them to do. God did the miraculous, and, and, and as Caleb had talked about, of separating the seas, and they walked through that. As they walked through the desert, God provided time and time again. They had these amazing stories. God gave them the promised land, and yet we see in Judges chapter 17, verse 6, that once they arrived, every man did which was right in his own eye. They'd forgotten the stories of God. They had lost the history of God. They had lost somewhere along the way, a mom and dad, the believers and uh, in, in those of faith had not done their due diligence in passing down this sacred truth of God. And the next generation missed it. And so tonight, I think there's a warning not only in this chapter for us, as a, but us as a people, the capital C church. And I just want to encourage you, we've been singing about God as a God of hope. I am not willing to give up on this next generation yet. And neither should we. God has not given up on this city. And neither should we. God has not given up on the young people of this city. And neither should we. There are stories yet to be written in this city. There is a history that has yet to be written. There is hope because Jesus is here. There is hope because a church is here. And we cannot miss that. We cannot miss that. And God has appointed a time such as this that you would be here in this city to reach this city. And that God can absolutely do it. And so as we read these words, may we be filled with hope and courage and boldness knowing that God is in us and with us and for us. But if as a church, 
as a capital C church, as followers of Jesus Christ, we should desire not just to leave a mark, but to leave a legacy. It will require us to share those truths with the next generation, no matter the cost. Here, why don't you join me now in chapter 78. We're going to be reading through verse 1 through 8. It says this, O my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past. This is on New Living Translations. Stories we've heard and known. Stories our ancestors had handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instruction to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to our children. So the next generation might know them, even their children yet to be born. And they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. Tonight there's a couple simple truths I want us to to, to pull out of this, and some of it is for the adults in the room that we have been called to a high calling, but God has also called something of the next generation in this room here tonight. The first part that we see here in this, in this parable, in this story, is for the adults, we are called to share God's truth. We cannot hide it. We cannot be ashamed of it. We must proclaim it. Influence, I really do believe, starts in the home. I really believe that uh, in God's word it speaks to this. The family is the nucleus of what God desires to do to impact a nation. It's through the family that we raise up and understand what it means to, to, to be under the, uh, a father and, and know the love of a mother and to share and to care for one another. I tell my kids all the time, if we cannot learn God's truth in this home, how are we supposed to live it outside of it? So we learn in our influence in the home. And there we are built up as the family of God, right here in the house of God, that we learn what it means to be brothers and sisters in Christ. The family is so important to God. And yet I think the, one of the biggest targets the enemy paints is the family. He attacks fathers and makes them think that they're insignificant and disqualifies them, or at least as they think. He allows mothers to think that what they're doing is, is not good enough. He allows kids to think that what their parents have to share with them is, is, has no value. And he begins to attack the family. But everything that we do is so important as parents, as adults. Our kids are watching. Their ki our kids are watching how we handle our, situ our situations. They're watching when we are faced with difficulties and, and, and challenges. And how we walk through them will be taught to the next generation. For I really believe that most things are not taught, they are caught. I'll tell you a story of my father who owned a business for many years, he owned a construction business. Quite successful, but one year uh, he had all his tools, all his possessions that he used for his craft to make a living inside of a trailer. And one evening, late at night, everything was taken out of that trailer. And I watched as my father had to go and talk to the insurance company and make a claim and thankfully was able to get those tools back. But not just that, about three to four months later, it happened again. 
And anger started to get inside of me, and I was thinking, well, we need to, like, stake out near the trailer and wait for these guys and get them, you know, and we need to find them. And my dad's like, it's okay. God's got it. It's all right, Aaron. And then it happened a third time, guys. The third time. My dad had that thing locked up like Fort Knox, which is one of the most secured locations in America, all right? <laughs> they got tanks there, okay? Like, he had an alarm system. He had locks the size of your hand and your fist. I mean, he had everything, and yet I think the enemy was just trying to, to, to remove and, and to harm what my, my, my father was doing. And I still remember when he came home, it amazed me the faith that he had still, that God was still in control and was going to take care of everything. I'll never forget it. You may, you may not be able to know the moment when your children begin to see faith through you, but you never know when the moment may come. And so may we live lives of faith before our kids in every moment, which means sometimes they talk about passing on stories, pass on stories of faith, but also pass on stories of failure. Pass on stories when you didn't quite measure up. Allow your kids, the story talks about how we hide these things from our kids. How are we hiding them? When we hide them, it's maybe because we're embarrassed our past. Maybe it's we hide them because we, maybe we're having a, a tough time believing in the moment. But rather than hiding our, our fears and our doubts and our insecurities, make them known so that God can be known even a greater way. That despite our insecurities and despite our doubts, God is still good. May we share our stories and not keep them to ourselves. For Revelation says, we are saved by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. It's through the cross and our testimony that we come to salvation, yeah. that we walk in faith. Yeah. My grandma has more stories than I think could fill this room. How many guys have a grandma like that? You know, that loves to tell a good story. One day I was, I was on, my, on the phone with my grandmother, and I said, Grandma, you need to write down these stories. Because I want to tell my kids these stories someday. Why is that? It's because stories begin to build faith for a generation that has yet to see God's faithfulness. They haven't seen it yet. They haven't experienced it yet. So they need to hear it from somebody. They need to have somebody believe in them and say, I know you can't see it yet, but God is good. God is faithful, and he loves you so much. And let me tell you a story to share that with you. I love the stories of my grandmother of raising six children in her home, all serving the Lord now. I love to hear the story when she had cancer and God miraculously healed her in the hospital bed. I love to hear these stories because it builds faith within me. But can we believe that God is not, not just faithful, but wants to give new stories to a new generation? I'm praying for new stories for a new generation. That they don't have to live out of my stories all the time, but they can have their own stories of God's faithfulness and of his love and of his mercy and of his kindness. And that they can begin to see God begin to do something new in them. S stories that points to his glorious deeds as we see in his words. Stories that point to his power and display of his strength and ability. Stories of his wonderful works and who he is. What has God done in your life that's worth repeating that you've kept to yourself? What stories do your children and those that you know that are younger than you need to hear to be encouraged today? Because when we share our story, it be, your story becomes our story. And there's something beautiful that takes place. When you begin to share a story with somebody, there's faith that rises in their own hearts. But we also see in this passage, not only do we need to not hide these truths, but share them, but we need to help the next generation know God's word. There's fascinating research that was just done in 2022 
of over 25,000 teenagers from 26 different countries around the world. And they call this generation Gen Z, but also the open generation. So generation, this generation of teenagers is very open to God's word, but they have no one to lead them. They have questions, and they can find information, but they can't find discernment and understanding. And that's where we step in as grandfathers, grandmothers, parents, leaders in their lives, those who have gone before them to bring understanding and discernment to the things that are happening in this world according to his word, which means we must get the youth and get our students and get our young people into God's word. It doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be crazy. It could simply be just as Deuteronomy talks about as we go throughout our day and we could just share God's word and what God's doing in our own lives. And as we do this, we're impressing God's word now upon them. Every evening we sit down, we read scripture with our kids. And you'll be amazed. You may think sometimes, oh, your kids are so young or maybe they're not picking up on things. They're picking up a lot more than you realize. And it was one night with my own daughter as we were just reading scripture and talking about the cross. She asked me the question, Dad, why did Jesus have to die? And in that moment, I was able to simply share the gospel with her. And she put all the things that we had been sharing her and teaching with her in a moment. And she came to faith that night and said, I want to follow Jesus. Dad, I want to be forgiven of my sins. And I had the honor and the privilege uh, about a year ago to baptize her. And what a joy as a father to be there in that moment for her as she made that decision for Christ. It wasn't just the moment. It was the culmination of many little moments of being in his word sharing his word and our comings and our going, allowing her to know God's truth. Gen Z is confused because they don't have the truth. Teenagers in the streets here, right here in our city are confused because they have yet to hear the truth of Jesus. And we have it. And we could be creative in how we share God's word and I hope that we hold loosely to the way that we do it and hold tightly to the gospel. That we would get to know a new generation that God is raising up in a creative way and that we can share God's word in a new and a fresh way. Using tools like the Chosen and version and other Bible prompts, we can help young people begin to understand God's word and get into his word themselves. So a lot of times it can't be messy, which means it's going to require something of us, but it's worth the cost. It's worth the cost. You know, when someone's in... And I don't mean to be morbid, but this is the reality. When someone's in hospice, they're just made to be comfortable until the time may come when the Lord may take them home. And there's a lot of churches, especially in America, that are so used to being comfortable. If we are just seeking comfort in our churches, in our church pews, we've already begun our march towards its demise. A church that is willing to get messy, a church that is willing to be uncomfortable, is a church that is alive and well. It's a church that will have the next generation in their pews. It's a church that will see young people come to faith and lives will be changed. Let us not become so comfortable that we are unwilling to get messy for Jesus and to see a generation come to him. Passing on his word is not a suggestion. It is a command. This is a holy mandate. And we are, each and every one of us, are called to carry on the truth of God to a generation so the next may know after us. Will we pass on his blessing or repent? pass on the curses uh, and challenges of our own lives. I really believe that a curse in a sense that living my life my way may be passed to one generation, but his blessing will be passed on to many, many, many generations. We see that in the life of David. David was called to, to build a temple, and yet he set up his son, Solomon, to enjoy the moment when the temple was built. 
in David, David's life, you see all throughout 1 Kings, even though bad kings came, God began to continue to bless the nation. Why? Because of one faithful servant. Could it be just one faithful grandparent could still bring blessing to generations of, of children? One faithful father could bring blessing to kids way beyond our years. May we live our lives in such a way. But then there's a call to the next generation at the end of this passage in 7 and 8. Not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands, they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn and rebellious. Starts in verse 7. Each generation should set its hope anew on God. Can I call the young people in the room, if you're in, the, in your 20s, or if you're a teenager in this room, so often it's easy to blame instead of accepting what we've been given and begin to walk in it. You have been called, even now, to live a life that is set apart for the glory of God. What would it look like if a generation stopped pointing fingers and started looking up to heaven and began to believe for something greater? What would it look like for a generation that has been given the tools to reach not just a nation but a world would be allowed to be used of God in such a way that we could begin to see God move and shake the world like we've never seen before? What would it look like for a generation that wasn't so concerned about what people thought about them and was more concerned about what God's word had to say and begin to believe it and stand on it and trust it? I believe that God is raising up such a generation if you are willing to put your hope anew in God. That stories have been passed on to you. Are you willing to stand on them now and believe it for your nation, for your city, for your home, for your life? And if you are, you will see the faithfulness of God. I truly believe it. Because God is the faithful God of every generation. He will not abandon this generation. He will not abandon this city. As long as there is a remnant of believers, as long as somebody is still declaring Jesus, He will come. And He will do what only He can do. So would there be a generation of students in this room and young people that would say, God, I'm not going to wait for somebody else. I'm going to live the life that you have called me to, a life of faithfulness, a life that would believe in you. Do not forget what he has done, for it is the very thing that you can carry into what he is going to do. I love to hear the stories of history. Could it be that even now that God could raise up somebody or a team of people to reach this whole nation like he did with St. Patrick? Could it be that it could be through this nation, Northern Ireland and Ireland, that God could reach a whole continent once again in Europe? Could it be that once again that God can begin to send out missionaries from this place and reach the world? God can do it if a generation would only stand up and believe. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he will forever will be. All we have to do is keep his commands, walk in faithfulness, and God will do far more than we could ever ask or imagine. Because that is what his word declares. And that is what I believe. What will your generation be remembered for? Will your generation be the gap? Or will your generation be the change? I'm believing it. I mean, we got to walk through the city last night. I, I, I feel a heaviness in this city. I do. Amongst the young people who are here in this city, I think so many times we can feel this burden of, what am I supposed to do? What, what, what could I do? If you would just live your life as God has called you to, I, I'm telling you, God's going to be to lead you and guide you to the certain people. And it may be just a few to start, but I'm telling you, there's a multiplication that begins to happen in the kingdom of God. 
We, we think it's only addition, but there's a multiplication effort that begins to take place where one life is changed, now five lives are changed, now 20 lives are changed, now 100. Now we're seeing the city changed and flipped over for Jesus. Reach the one and let the one reach the five. See God do a great and mighty work. All throughout Psalm 78, we're given this warning of what will happen if we don't follow in the ways that God has called us to. But yet there is this promise that God is both merciful and willing to forgive. Wherever you may find yourself tonight as a parent, pastor, leader, follower of Jesus, may we all come to the cross and repent maybe of, of our attitude, of our selfishness, of our willingness only to do life for me and, and begin to be willing to pay the cost to reach a generation, to be the church and to be the individual that says, God, I'm not just in it for myself. I'm not just in it for my life, but I want to leave a legacy that will outlive my life and every generation after me, they may not know my name, but they would feel the influence of my life. I pray that that would be tonight. And as I was praying before service with, with everyone, as wonderful as that was, I, I just feel like there's somebody in the room who maybe was handed uh, a family tree that's been messed up, that's been, been tripped up by addiction, or maybe it's been tripped up by other issues. Maybe you've had family members that have been in prison or whatever may, your past may be, I, I'm so thankful that if you look at God's word, especially the Old Testament, you see a lot of those families too. And yet God chose people that maybe felt unqualified, who maybe felt like they were less than, and he used them because they had faith. And God then said, you know, through Jacob and Isaac and, and, and many others, a generational change through Joseph, as we talked about this morning, family tree began to change all because one person came to faith. A whole generation was changed. A whole family tree was changed. I'm the product of my grandparents, and through my grandparents have come over 60 family members, and I've been so blessed because we had two members of our family that said yes to Jesus, and now a generation, a whole family tree has been changed. Don't allow your past to dictate what God desires to do through your future and through your family. God can begin afresh and anew in your family tonight. He can do it. So tonight, would you all stand with me, and I'm going to ask um, Kelsey and Lindy to come join me on the stage. We have some time, and I, and I, man, I don't know about you, God is in the house tonight. He is here. He desires to meet with you tonight. And uh, I, there's a couple things that we just want to pray over. Maybe tonight you've come into this church, maybe even for the first time, and you're concerned maybe for your family. You're concerned for your, for your, for your kids, for their future, for the future of this city. The gospel is this very simply that we recognize our own sin and that Jesus Christ himself went to the cross who has done no wrong and exchanged his perfect life for your messed up life. He paid the punishment on the cross for you. And so tonight as you come to here tonight, know this, that he loves you, he loves you, he loves you, and he was willing to pay it all so you would have an opportunity to know him and live with him in eternity. And it's through the cross, not only will your life be changed, but your family in this city forever will be changed. And so that's you tonight. All you have to simply say is, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me. I accept your forgiveness. I want to live for you now. I want to know you more. And I want to understand what you desire for my life. Because in it is life. Jesus said, I have come to give life and life abundantly. All you have to do is ask for it and you will receive it. Tonight, I'm going to ask just 
three simple things. First of all, I want you to pray over your family tonight. And as uh, this wonderful uh, daughter and, and mother pray over you and sing this song, The Blessing, over you, we want to pray over you, and we want your, you to pray over your family. Pray over your kids. This song is, is derived from the Old Testament. It was the blessing the priests prayed over their people every single morning and every single night. And as, I don't want to get into it, but there was, a, there was an enemy that was trying to curse the nation, and he could not do it. Why? Because God's blessing was covering his people. I'm telling you, there is something about you praying over your kids, praying over your household, that the enemy may have his plans, but God's purposes will prevail when you begin to pray over your family. The enemy is, is trying to attack your kids. It's time to pray over our kids and believe God's best for them. Teenagers in the room, maybe you have felt overwhelmed. Maybe you have felt confused. Maybe you're dealing with something tonight. Our students are here to pray with you. They understand that. They've walked that road, and they have seen God do some amazing things in their life, and they want to pray over you. So I'm just going to ask our students just to stand in the back. And if you're a student here tonight, if you're a young person, you're like, man, I just need someone to pray with me. They're here to pray with you. And I'm here because I, I want to pray for some fathers in this room tonight. Fathers that have stood in the gap and you feel like all of it's on you and it's not. Jesus is raising up men of God who understand what it means to surrender at the cross. Men of God who are willing to cast aside what they want for themselves for a greater good, for their, not only for their family, for their generations to come, who are willing to pay the price. But yet they're, it's so hard at times and it feels so weighty and I've just been feeling that weight for you as fathers. I have three kids myself. And I would love to pray over any fathers tonight that maybe you've been dealing with something. I'm a safe person here that I would love to pray for you and see things begin to break and change in your life in the power of Jesus. For he is here and he desires for you to start anew and afresh. And for any mothers here tonight, we, we have some moms over here too. We'd love to pray with you. If you've just been feeling overwhelmed, we want to pray for you tonight. If we can find... In Christ, safety in the home, Christ alive in our home, I believe we could see a city changed. We could see a city changed. So could I just pray over you, and, and the team is going to pray, and I'm going to be standing up here, and Andy's going to be with me as well. We just want to pray over you tonight. And God is here. He desires to start fresh and anew in the homes, that we would see a generation changed forever. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are here through your Holy Spirit. God, that you desire for chains to be broken. Lord, that you desire for family trees to start afresh and anew. God, we, will, we do not have to stand in our past and allow that to dictate the future that you have for us, oh God. And Lord, we pray for the city of Belfast. God, we pray for the young people out in the streets tonight, Lord Jesus, who are living on their own, who feel afraid, maybe who feel overwhelmed. God, who maybe they're dealing with addictions, Lord Jesus. We pray for life to come to this city, Lord Jesus. We pray for the light of Jesus Christ to come breaking through, God, in this city. And God, I pray that you'd raise up not just a but young people who, are, who not only believe in you, but trust you enough to live a life of faith, Lord Jesus, before God and others, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would use this church, God, to be a beacon on a hill, Lord God. Lord, that you would see the city change forever because there is a remnant of people who love you, who are walking a genuine faith, oh God. And Lord, I pray that you would use this church, these people, Lord, for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's respond to the Lord now in prayer as we sing this song.